Welcome everybody to this episode of The Call Sheet. I'm your host, filmmaker AJ Wedding, flipping through my old call sheets looking for interesting guests in the film and television industry. But today is a very special day because uh, I'm talking to the great John Tagg, one of my favorite actors and uh, just a all-around great guy. He's also a producer, writer, director. He's got some amazing work out there that you guys should definitely check out. We'll get into that. Hello, everybody on the uh, the call sheet. It's nice to be here. <laughs> well, before we get started, I think it's important that we share uh, a little toast. Yes, cheers. There we go. What are you, you drinking old, over there? I got an old-fashioned clink. Yeah, a little old-fashioned. I'm drinking a little uh, proper 12. Ah, well. Yes. Cheers, mm-hmm. mate. Mm. Only the best during the apocalypse. Absolutely. You know, might as well go out in style. <laughs> so what's up, man? How are you holding up? We're good. You know, we're we're doing fine. We pretty much work from home most of the time unless we're in production. So, yeah, um, it's yeah pretty... I mean, I, I'm kind of used to the whole, uh, you know, waiting around for work thing. So I kind of feel like I've got to edge up on everybody. <laughs> You know, it's like being an actor is one of those things where it's just like, oh, yeah, I've go through very long stretches without any work. So this is nothing new to me. You've been on some pretty awesome shows of late, uh, such as Light as a Feather. I just did uh, American Horror Story and Lucifer. And, you know, that was uh, that was a little while ago. But, yeah, I mean, the, my, the recent well, I think that's stuff, what I was thinking of was was Lucifer because Netflix oh, yeah. kind of gave it a resurgence. That show won't die. I mean, for some reason, <laughs> not for some reason, but I mean, they, uh, I think they're going to do another season. Well, that was such an interesting story, too, because um, you played a role on there and it seemed like the campaign of fans that kind of got around trying to bring it back once they heard it was canceled embraced you <laughs> as, as well as uh, everyone else on the show. It was weird. Um, it was just one of those weird things where, when they said that the show was going to get canceled on when, when it was on, um, it was on, was it Fox? Yeah. Fox. Um, I think they got the ax and Brooklyn nine, nine got the ax and right around the same time, uh, they had a campaign on uh, Twitter going called, you know, hashtag save Lucifer. And they were trying to, trying to keep the show going. And when I found out the show was canceled, um, my episode hadn't aired yet and because it was being held over for the next season it's it was like a a standalone episode that they were going to hold over for next season and when i found out that the show got canceled right away i i knew i was like oh well they're not going to air my episode and i right. got super pissed off and <laughs> <laughs> you? i uh, yeah yeah i know right <laughs> and i i went online and i went on twitter and i saw that you know this this was trending so i just kind of jumped into the conversation and just said hey my name is john tag i'm an actor on one of the episodes that's not going to be aired i'm really pissed off and if you guys need help i'll you know i'll help you out with uh you know sharing the hashtag or sharing whatever you guys want um because i really wanted to see my episode come to life because it was a really cool episode um it had neil gaiman doing the uh the voiceover uh, throughout the whole thing as the voice of God. <laughs> of course. And it's just like a really, because he created the show. It was 
just one of those crazy things where, uh, you know, I woke up the next morning and I checked my Twitter feed and I've got like 4,000 new followers. They ended up showing the episode on Fox because, you know, the fan base went so ballistic and Fox just, I guess, started really kind of caving in. So they showed that episode. But the problem was that episode was right after a big, huge cliffhanger that was supposed to finish that season. And it made no sense because it was kind of like a standalone episode. And that kind of enraged the fan base even more because they still had no closure <laughs> on things. And they and they, it just f- turned into this firestorm and just kept going and going and going. You know, they, they got Netflix to pick it up. And then once Netflix picked it up, those fans came to me and said, listen, you did this. You helped us out. We want to help you out. So they tried to get me back on the show with this whole hashtag bring back John Tegg campaign that they ran and and it went for a while and it was really cool um but i never i was never asked to come back on the show but because of those fans i did get nominated um by uh by them for the e online um uh tv scoop awards and i got nominated as uh best uh best guest star and I was up against uh, I was up against Neil Gaiman, and I was up against Lin Lin Manuel Miranda, and uh, a couple of other people, and um, and I came in third place, which was pretty cool. Wow! Yeah, man. Yeah. So I mean, those are the greatest fans in the world. Those Lucifer fans. I mean, they've kept that show going. They've been super great to me. I owe them. I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. I love them. They're great people. Well, it's definitely an interesting time to live in, where fans really do have a say you know if there's enough people they can really rally around something and it kind of reminds you of uh, the first series of star trek you know totally it was such a failed show but once they saw how many fans there were at the convention that was built it was right back you know bring the show back so how many how many seasons did they do three i think it was three but they were fairly long seasons right so it feels like a lot more than three yeah yeah yeah, I, I like Star Trek a lot. We've been, uh, we've, we, you know, we've been kind of cracking out here since the whole COVID nineteen thing, <laughs> and uh, we started watching Picard because I guess CBS gave this free month package with, you know, to kind of let every, you know, to, you know, to relieve some of the stress of the whole coronavirus, and Picard is so good. Yeah, it's so I, good. We're like we're like four se- we're like four episodes in, and I'm just like, this is so amazing. Yeah, several of our previous guests have been involved in it. I, I was able to be a very small part of the pre-production. I ended up shooting some cinematic makeup tests, which was really just fun for me. I don't, you know, I didn't get anything out of it other than it was just. How a did lot you of fun. How did you score that? Uh, another guest on the show, Neville Page, actually brought me in and um asked me to come help him out and that's I was awesome. like absolutely uh and in the and process, Neville page is he's the creature creator right he's the creature designer uh for that and for um star trek discovery mm. he also did all the jj movies and uh he's just he's a brilliant creator and um he's also a filmmaker as well and, and we've been working on a few things together Awesome. Outside of that, which yeah. which is great, and and Philip Lanyon shot most of those episodes. Um, he was the DP. He was also a guest on the call sheet. Was he your last guest? Uh, no, my last guest. Well, my my last guest was uh, Michael Nankin, who was the director oh. 
of Battlestar Galactica. Right, right, right. Uh, I don't think he's done any of the recent Star Treks, but... Um, I got to catch up on your uh, podcast, man. I've, I've fallen behind. <laughs> now we got all this you time. Got time. You got yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I got to catch you up what. on yours too. I'm excited that you started one. Actually, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been cool. Um, you know, my show is basically you know me talking to people that are kind of in my situation. You know, other actors that are that are working but not very well known. Um, that are out there hustling and grinding away and. And, you know, it's nice to also talk to other filmmakers, too, because I think there's not that much difference in in the hustle and the grind of it. Oh, of course. Um, you know, it's uh, especially now, I'm sure that everybody's kind of like, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it, it depends on how long this whole this whole thing, this coronavirus thing goes for. I mean, Hollywood's been shut down for, what, three weeks now? Yeah, I mean, two weeks, three weeks. Honestly, I, th- I think it's a good reminder to everyone who's not in Hollywood how important these productions are. You oh know? yeah, you take them for granted until they're the only thing you have. Totally in front of you your know, face. Everyone's you know uh, binging out now on on all these shows that they weren't able to watch before, and and you know we're kind of you know we're kind of keeping people entertained, not like to pat ourselves on our back or anything like that, but. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, 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 without all the artists involved in making television and films, you, there's nothing. And, you know, yeah. right now we need entertainment probably more than we've ever needed it before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me, take me back to when you were... Let's go way lad. back. Let's, Let's go, go way back to back. when you were a wee lad. <laughs> and uh, and tell me what was the first spark? What first got you interested in the industry as a whole? Well, you know, growing up, uh, you know, TV was the thing for me. Um, I love television, um, but sci-fi was something that you know really piqued my interest early on because I think the the my first like hero kind of thing and and my first like TV show that I really loved was the $6 million man. And that had great, you know, sci-fi and, and, you know, cool kind of, you know, action. And, and that's what kind of made me fall in love with watching things, you know, but it really wasn't, I think until, um, when I saw star Wars, that's when my mind just got blown open about, (laughs) about what, you know, the possibilities are and, and how cool, you know, uh, movies and, and, and special effects and things like that are. And plus it was also one of the first times where I, uh, you know, watching those actors in, in, in the original films, what I really liked about it was they were, I liked the, how I liked the friendship aspect of it. Uh, so I think that was probably like the first spark was, was really star Wars, but I didn't, I didn't want to be an actor at all. I, I was a musician. I was, I, I was in a rock and roll band in high school and, and we played all up and down the East coast and in clubs in New York city and did all this, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, when I, when it came time to go to college, every, all the other guys in the band, you know, they were kind of like, Oh, I got to go to college. So I guess we're going to take a break from the band for a little bit. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I better apply to some colleges too. I was a terrible <laughs> student. I mean, I was like a D student. So I, I, I never, 
I never did well in school and I didn't really give a shit. Like, can we swear on your podcast? I swear on mine. Is that right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to break any rules. Feel I'll, free I'll to... click the little explicit box. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I, I never wanted to, I never thought about being an actor at all until I got to college. Um, it was kind of an accident because the, the department, I was going to go study um, music engineering and communications. But when I got there, that department was shut down. And my, uh, I guess my, my advisor was the head of the theater department and said, well, why don't you come and run sound for one of the plays? And I ran sound for the play. It was, the play was Bus Stop. And I remember there was a girl in it that I liked a lot. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like, so, this Reason is pretty enough. cool. And they were good. The actors, the, the show was amazing. And the actors were really good. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I kind of fell into it backwards like that. That's kind of how it all kind of came together as being an actor for me. But as far as all that goes, I mean, obviously you, you worked as an actor. But at some point you decided to kind of take your career in your own hands. Because as an actor, I mean, I know this because... You know, I was an actor and right. thing I let's talk frust- about that. Well, let's, let's, let's get it. Let's do a little ping pong here. Let's go. Let's talk <laughs> about you now for a second. So when did you decide that you wanted to get into the entertainment world? Uh, entertainment probably in like the eighth grade. Okay. Um, in what capacity? Not, not specific, you know, okay. um, I, I was, I was big into doing musicals and uh, singing and dancing and that sort of thing. And the acting kind of came a little later. Um, you know, I think when I was in college, I was really focused on being a good actor. And I thought I'm, I'm going to move to LA when I'm done. I'm going to go out and try to be in movies. Um, but prior to that, it was, I just want to perform. I just want to do these things. And, and in the, in the background, I'm making movies instead of writing papers. So whenever I was given a assignment from like my history teacher, or my Spanish teacher, I would always say, can I make a movie instead? Really? <laughs> Which was three times as hard. What were you shooting but, on? Uh, just like a VHS super eight camera. I, th- I oh, think, cool. um, I think the first camera my dad had was a, a beta camera, one of the old betas. And, yeah. um, I feel like that got wore out real fast in my hands. Um, but then eventually I got like this, um, you know, digital aid or I was before digital actually. Um, and I would do tape to tape syncs to do my, to do my editing because there's no editing kind of like, software. Uh, like Robert Rodriguez did. Exactly. Exactly. And, like and, that. I, yeah. and I had a little audio mixer and I would mix in music and things like that. And, and oh, that's awesome. And, you just kind of had to do it live because you only got one try. <laughs> so, but yeah, you and you figured it out on your own, right? Like, yeah, I just kind of figured it out as I went, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to go direct movies. I'm going to go make the. It was just something I liked to do more than mm-hmm. writing a paper. And even when I was in college, I, I just recently went back to my alma mater, Western Michigan University, to teach a filmmaking class to a bunch of acting students. And I was telling my uh, professor who now runs the department that when I was there as a junior, I had gone up to her and asked while I was making a movie (laughs) there um, what she thought about me moving to L.A. and and trying to, you know, did she have any advice for an outgoing actor? And she said, "Um, have you ever thought about being a producer? And 
I took that the wrong way. I took that as like, well, you don't think I'm a good enough actor? And really, you know, now that I have a perspective on the whole matter, yeah, uh, that was like the biggest compliment she could have ever given me because this woman has written some of the most amazing books. She's produced movies herself. And, um, you know, it was probably the best thing she could have said. And I, I told her I was, I was sorry for taking it the way that I did back then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you realize... Yeah, but she must have seen something. She must have seen something in you that that made her say that. Maybe your organizational skills, or maybe some kind of. I mean, I was making movies. I mean, I was right. You you were getting you're getting it done. (laughs) I I was doing it. It wasn't a class project. It was like Mm. I would write something because I wanted to be in it. Yeah, (laughs) and that was how uh, I made my first movie, Pop Fiction, uh, which we took to the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, wow! In the student category, but um, even then, that's still, that's huge, man. That's like a huge accomplishment for a student film. But I still wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, like oh man, I didn't get nominated for best actor. <laughs> it's like right. Um, but eventually, in my career as an actor, if you can call it a career, um, I realized that I didn't have a lot of control. And this no. is what I was getting to with you there's not much you can say. Like if you audition for a role and they say yes, then you take the part and you go do it. You have no control right. over what the movie is, how good it is. Yeah, you only right. control that character. And I remember the moment when I decided not to be an actor, I, I was at an audition for a commercial and um, I walk into the casting office and there is a life-size plastic cow. And... <laughs> Casting director, the casting director says, okay, um, I need you to shake the cow when we play the music and whatever you do, don't make it look sexual. (laughs) And I'm, and I'm shaking the cow and they're playing the song, shake that thing, miss, can I, can I shake like, and I'm, and I, I had an out of body experience and I, I, I saw myself doing it and I I said to myself, if you if you book this, you have to take it. Yeah. You have to do it. Yeah. And it was just a moment of clarity where I was like, you know what? I don't think this is what I want. I hear you, man. <laughs> I hear you. And that's, you know, that's a that's kind of one of those moments where you're just like, it's a soul crushing moment. Well, I th- it's a, for me, I felt like it was a change in perspective because right. I needed it to happen. I was still making movies at this point. I'm still okay. making. In fact, I made several things that I wasn't in at all. And it was just, let me show you what I can do as a filmmaker. Right. And eventually it was like, oh, no, that's the part I really like. Right, right. Um, and I guess that's why I was get going with you as well, which is eventually you made The Rolling Soldier, which is a really right. well done web series, by the way. Thank you. And you Thanks, won a bunch man. of awards uh, this yeah, past man. year, didn't you? Well, I uh, last year I won uh, Best Actor in a Thriller at the New Jersey Web Fest, which was super cool because um, I'd been nominated for that award in other festivals, but I had never won that. I, you know, I just want to backtrack a little bit going back to what you were saying, you know, doing auditioning for that commercial. Uh, were you... 
had had you been auditioning for a lot of commercials at that time? I had, in fact, um, that was really how I was making my money. Um, right. I did one so, commercial that ran for two years, and I right. didn't even say anything in the commercial, and I bought a house. So, like, <laughs> that's when it was good. Yeah, that's when it was good. <laughs> that's when things were good. I mean, yeah, you know, commercials are great because you know the money's so good, but like. I had kind of a really embarrassing uh, commercial moment also where, um, and it was funny because I had booked commercials through this casting director before in, in New York. And, uh, but this time he's like, he, he called me and he's like, I, I want you to come in for this, but I, I but don't hate me. And I was like, it's <laughs> like, what am I getting into? And we get in there and he's like, okay, so, and I see this, there's a, um, like a, a, a brown, um, cardboard box uh collapsed on the floor and there's a like a like a boom box in the corner and he's like can you break dance like, he waits till you come in to like, ask I was, like, I was like no he's like just do something can you just try you know when i play the music can you just kind of try to do something and because I liked the guy, he was a great casting director. I I, I don't know if he's still doing it or not. I, I won't name any names, but um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the guy a lot. He was great. Uh, <laughs> he asked me, he's like, just do it. So and I did it for him. I didn't book it, thank God. But I, I remember walking <laughs> out of that audition being like, I don't know how much longer I want to do this kind of thing. Because I didn't feel like I was doing what... I wanted to do and don't get me wrong like commercial acting is great it's amazing because it subsidizes your career you know you book like you you bought a house with that well and some people really love it I mean if you're into comedy and you're into you know I'm not a comedy guy that's the thing you know I'm I'm kind of like an everyday kind of guy or I'm a really stressed out you know fighting for his life kind of guy you know in, in the stuff I do and that's that kind of comes back around full circle to the whole, to my web series. You know, I created the rolling soldier because I wasn't being seen for the things that I wanted to be seen for. Um, and I wasn't being looked at in that way. People were looking at me like, Oh yeah, he's kind of like the best friend type, which I'm not at all. (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I'm not that guy. Uh, so I, I created a character and you know, uh, he's a, the character is a, like a washed up, CIA assassin who is uh, who gets injured in Afghanistan, gets knocked into a coma, wakes up ten years later, finds out he's on the run with what's left of his team, and uh, and you know I wanted to do something that kind of displayed the skills that I I know that I'm good at um, that that I wasn't being seen for, um, sure. and I wanted to work on those shows like I wanted to work on shows like The Blacklist, and I wanted to work on shows like the Americans or Homeland, like that type of thing. So that's that's pretty much why I created that show. And it's been paying off, you know, luckily for me since it's been great. I can't complain about it. Well, let's that's talk awesome. a little bit about the actual physical production of it all because <laughs> I think people need to, uh, you know, I, I encourage every actor to go out there and make something. Um, yeah. But it's important to also know that it's not all... Uh, roses and uh you know it's 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 not easy it's way harder than you expect (laughs) especially when you're doing something like that's kind of genre specific 
like doing kind of like a spy thriller type of show. Sure. And basically what I did was I looked around me and, and kind of assessed what I had around me, uh, what actors I had access to, what locations I had access to, what camera person I had access to, and just kind of like improvised and kind of took it from there and, 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 and then started to develop, you know, the, the script. And then, you know, we, we blocked off a weekend to shoot and we just, you know, we shot with what we had around us, um, completely guerrilla style. And my DP was the, um, she was a deep, uh, she was a DP or a camera operator for the show intervention. And she was nominated for an Emmy for that show. And she had a really good eye for, and, and I, I really liked the kind of paranoid kind of fly on the wall aspect that she brought to it and we shot the uh we shot the pilot with her and then once the pilot was done she had to go and go off and do another season of intervention so i had to bring in another cinematographer and he had more of a cinematic style which actually kind of was more in in line with how it really should have been done and uh and he you know he that guy busted his ass. His name's Sergio Crago. He's an amazing DP. Well, I I don't know if a lot of people that are outside of LA understand, but there are all these little pools of talent mm-hmm. that all you know. Eventually, you find your tribe. You find your group of people that you all kind of have a similar. You know, this is how we found each other, right? I mean, it's yeah, totally. You have a very similar way of doing things. Um, you're tired of some of the BS you have to go through. Uh, and it's important, I think, for anybody who thinks they want to get involved in this business at all, whether you want to be a makeup artist, an actor, or a producer, or whatever it is, to find that tribe and and try other things. You know, do things that pull you out of your comfort zone. I mean, I certainly never thought I'd be doing visual effects or you know, yeah, CG I mean, that, that, and stuff like that. That's something you, I. It, what's funny about that with you is that. That, I did not know that at all. I thought you were just a director when I first met you. I didn't oh, know that you had a background. <laughs> no, I mean I didn't know I didn't know that you had a background at all uh, working in, in visual effects or anything like that. And I was like, oh wow. When when I found out that you were helping out our friend Mark on Space Command, I was like, oh, wow. I did. I, that kind of that blew me away. Well, that I mean, that only happened because I had him on the podcast and I happened to show him <laughs> something that I did. I just kind of, you know, all of my ideas were always science fiction that I wanted to make. And I remember going to New Deal to get a quote for what it was going to cost to have them do the visual effects for this movie I wanted to make. You know, they said, well, you should probably make a trailer uh, to try to help sell this. I said, great. Can you help me? Right. And, uh, And they said, yeah, we'll give you a computer. You can sit in here and learn all the software and figure it out. Yep. And that's and that's exactly what I did. We we shot this thing in a couple of days and I went in there. They set me up with a computer. Um, Jeff Jasper says, hey, there's a bunch of tutorials right here on this drive. So go ahead and learn how to use Nuke and uh, let me know if you have any questions. And I sat there going, oh, my God, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And, you know, you can learn anything if you focus. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you, and you find a way, you know. Yeah. Um, that's how I was with the Rolling Soldier completely because when we were done shooting, I was out of money. And <laughs> I had no money for post-production. The only and, and the only money I had left, you know, I, I used that to buy, the, uh, to buy software. 
Um, and I had to learn how to edit. I had to learn how to do color grading and color correction. And, and, (laughs) you know, I, I had a basic background of like sound design and sound editing because of my, you know, band days and we used to record on Ableton live. So I used that, but, um, yeah, once you, uh, you know, when your back is against the wall, you got to learn how to, you know, use that stuff. And, and I spent a year after I was done shooting the Rolling Soldier, I spent another year learning how to use that software and, and, and edit and, and create, I had to create seven little movies, you know, <laughs> and then I did the score for everything too. So I did all the music as well. So it was like, it was the roughest, I mean, it it was a great experience, but it was also one of the hardest things I've ever done. And uh, here's a tip for people. If you're going to do something, keep your cast small. (laughs) You know, for me, (laughs) keeping, you know, having a big cast maybe wasn't the smartest thing to do at first. Um, But yeah, you know, it's like, if you want, if you're going to do something, you got to get out there and you got to do it. And, uh, you know, right there, you just, you just made it. I mean, you learn a lot of lessons doing it. And I think that's, oh, totally. that's the important thing, you know, for, yeah, for I mean, me as a director, like if I, if I can be, if I can at least go into a department and work there for a while and understand it, not, it's not like I'm the greatest visual effects guy or the greatest, you know, art director or whatever, but I understand it enough to be able to talk to them and be able to get what I need totally. for my projects. And, um, and I, that's why I, th- I think it's important for anybody in this business to really, understand all those things. And, and I, I look at you and I, and I don't see an actor. I see a full, like a well-rounded producer. Thanks man. Who can also act. And I, I think that's important um, as we move forward in this business, the way that everything is going. I think the way things are right now, things are changing so fast that I think just being one thing isn't going to be enough. It's true. You know, back in like the nineties when I was living in New York and I was, you know, hustling and trying to get work, you know, uh, I remember booking short films for NYU and, you know, those NYU films, they would shoot on film back then. And those kids would spend like 20 grand on their senior thesis and they wouldn't finish them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and now you look at the technology that you have around you. And if you're an actor in this industry and you're kind of struggling or trying to, you know, make your way through, if you're not creating your own content, you're, you're just, shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Um, you know, if you really want it, you got to learn how to wear a bunch of different hats now. And it just makes you well-rounded and a better actor, I think too. For me, like one of the best lessons I got out of all of it was when I was watching, when I was editing, seeing, seeing myself and, and seeing the things I did right and some, and the things I did wrong in the editing bay, you know, uh, performance wise was like a pro athlete watching, you know, tape of himself, you know, like pro football players watching, you know, the, the past week's game and learning from, from their mistakes or learning or or like I did that, that's something I'm good at. That's something I'm not good at. And like, as an actor, I found that to be very valuable. Some actors don't like watching themselves and I get that, but you know, for me, it was was pretty valuable experience. I produced and directed a, a project called Aileron and, um, I had some really great actors in it and some very new actors as well. And, mm-hmm. um, Abraham Ben Ruby, who, um, is just one of the nicest guys ever, a really great actor. Uh, he was on ER and, 
um, mm-hmm. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which is my favorite when I was growing Oh, I used up. to love that show, man. <laughs> that show was great. Coronemic, oh, yeah. right? What's that? Oh, yeah, Wasn't yeah, exactly. Coronemic? Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, he, he was in the cast, and he's just – he's amazing. And, and with one of the younger guys who was in the scenes with him, I watched him teaching the guy how to figure out how to get more screen time. And I kind of leaned into it because I was kind of like, well, this, wow, this is really good uh, thing for them to learn. And and also for me to learn that, you know, somebody's trying to edge in and get good screen time. Yeah. But when they're finding moments, you know, you understand like television and film is all about finding those moments. Sure. And it may not be in the script, but if it's something that is interesting and it fits what's going on, then I want it. I want to see it. Yeah, totally. And, and he and I just that was such a great moment for me, um, a learning moment I think for me and for the actor he was coaching, but um, but yeah. You also had uh, was Maureen McCormick in that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, she so was, that's Marsha Brady. Yeah, she was fantastic. She, oh yeah. my God, such a great person to work with too. I mean, uh, you know, we were on a really tight budget. And we didn't have things like trailers for everybody. And right. I, I swear to God, I, I turned around every single, every time I turned around, she's sitting right there next to me. Like, do you need me? Do you need me? Like she was amazing. And, and she oh, so really, she's just, she's just a gamer. She just wanted to, she brings this youthful energy. That's like, it's like, she's, she just loves being there. She loves acting. And, and I love that. I, I would yeah. much rather have that than, than somebody who's really moody and dark and says, come get me when it's time for my, you know. Yeah. I don't like that with... whole, I don't like that whole hanging out in the trailer thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of times when we're on set, you know, we're kind of, we have to, you know, hang out in our trailer um, until they come get us. But if there's an opportunity for me not to be in that trailer and to be hanging out on set, uh, I'll take that any day over sitting in those little trailers. You know, <laughs> when, you know, it's because sometimes the air conditioner doesn't work in those things, and and you know, and well, but also you're you're networking, you're meeting the people, and yeah, and you know. and you know, you're not you're not isolated in like in like a cooler. Like, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, stressing out, waiting for the PA to come get you or, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hot and cold with trailers. I'm glad we have them, but at the same time, I'd rather not spend the whole time in there. I'd rather be on the set. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this, man. So when you're working with somebody, um, who's, who's kind of like a, um, a pop culture legend like Maureen McCormick. Um, and w- that was a, sh- was that a, sh- that was a short film, right? It was. Or was yeah. that? Yeah. Um, wh- what are you doing uh, to, to, I guess, I guess the word I'm looking for is maybe to appease them as you're shooting and, and make them feel, um, well, well, tell me about your process. Uh, you know, I don't. When feel you're working like I, with actors, like yeah, I, I don't feel like I do anything out of the ordinary. I th- I think it, the fact that I was an actor and I studied it in college and understand the processes that maybe weren't my process, but how other people uh, use their process, um, just kind of getting a feel for where they're at and what they need. Yeah. Um, I never want to feel like uh, I never want them to feel like they are being spoon fed something. I always want things to feel 
alive and real and I'm organic. Not, organic. And I, I'm not super specific usually about words, you know, unless the writer is very specific about that. Um, right. I'd rather have it feel right coming out of their mouths. Right. Um, some actors need a push. Some actors just need to know where to stand. You know, but it's important, like you said earlier, that you know because of your acting background, I, kind of, I feel like that gives you a huge advantage in dealing, you know, with actors because you're understanding what what they're going through, and and you know you're putting you can put yourself in their shoes and, and know what they need and what they want. Um, I think that's a very valuable skill for a director to have, and I wish more directors would focus on that stuff instead of the technical stuff sometimes. Yeah, I think the major thing for me is to is to hide the technical stuff from them. Right. So that I mean that's where pre-production comes in and is so important because the more you and your DP already are on the same page and understand yeah. what the plan is, yeah. the easier it is to just have a, a really quiet conversation with the DP and get them going and then go over to the actors. And you know, for me in everything I've done recently i'm I'm lucky to have worked with the same crew for the most part and yeah. the same dp for like 11 years you know yeah that's awesome leonidas jaramillo is my dp period and yeah. uh he and i have a very similar aesthetic uh it's very easy for us on set because we like the very same things and um you told me he's a good sensitive of that as well you told me a good story a while back about how you were planning shots with legos <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> this is great. Well, I love this. I mean, this. there's there's always several steps. As long as you have the time, there's there's several steps to figuring out um, how you're going to shoot something. And blocking is very important when time is an issue. Yep. And um, the, this thing that we did, um, which was a, a pilot called The Outlier, um, we knew we had a really short, schedule and we were trying to get a lot more done than could physically be done in the number of hours we had. So what we thought was, well, let's figure out the best lighting scheme that doesn't require a lot of sticks on the ground mm -hmm. so we can move a lot and, and move around and, and have things set up so that it's just really fast and easy like a, like a TV show would be. And um, the best way to do that was, you know, we had the design of the, of the set, um, my DP and I cut it out of foam core to scale to Lego scale. Awesome. And, uh, and he brought over his Legos cause he's an action figure guy and, and we lit it and we worked out where all the scenes would take place and where the camera would be. And, you know, we, we actually did used you use a little, like a, were you, did you use like an iPhone or anything like to kind of get we, the, we had a little GoPro and we would, uh, live view it to the iPhone so we could see and, and kind of guess, all right, well, that's a good angle there and, you know, figure out where we're going to um, have to do a relight if any relights yeah. happen. And uh, how much really, of that, how much of that transferred into the, the actual making of the film? A hundred percent. hundred percent. I would say we, we played jazz a little bit uh, just to get um, certain angles where it was just like, Ooh, this is just right there is a little bit better mm. um, for her face or for his face. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't have time to mess around. And, and when things go wrong on set, you know what happens. I mean, everybody, 
what are you going to do? Falls apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why the plan the worst is thing important. is having people stand around looking at you, and you don't know what you, <laughs> and you don't know what you're doing. And like for me, when I was doing the Rolling Soldier, I mean, I was literally flying by the seat of my pants the whole time. I deferred a lot to my DP. Um, my main goal was getting performances out of the actors and focusing on what I needed to do. And I was just hoping to God that he was catching it. <laughs> that was, and you know, we did a lot of handheld running around, you know, uh, in natural light. Well, when um, you have a we, good DP, we, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about outlier a little bit? Sure. Sure. What do yeah. You know? let, let, yeah. Let's, uh, I, I want to know more about this. Um, I, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but let's let the audience know what's going on with that. So tell me what outlier is. So outlier is, uh, something of a superhero show, but, um, the way that this works, it's not like a, it's not like Captain America who's just superhuman um, all the time. Basically, each of these superhero-ish characters, uh, they have a power, but to use it costs them something dear. Mm. So, you know, you don't see them running around blasting things all the time uh, because they lose a piece of themselves or their entire yeah, it takes, lives. It takes a toll. It takes a huge toll. Yeah. And so that's the basic premise behind it. And now we have what will be a, a completed pilot uh, once we finish the visual effects. But I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm, I'm excited to get it out there and show it to people. Well, the trailer is amazing. I mean, it's oh, legit. It looks like it should be on the CW. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I think it's, I think it looks great. And uh, I'll, if it's, you know, I don't know if you're, are you showing the trailer to the public or is it only for people that are, you're interested in pitching it to? Yeah. Currently we've kept it, uh, behind closed doors. Um, yeah. just because there's that thing where it's like, you really want to show it to people and you can't just put it out there live or, it's, yeah. you know, it's such a hard, it's a frustrating thing because there's the idea that, well, if it goes viral, then that's something I can take to the CW and say, sure. look, everybody loves this. But if it doesn't go viral, then they it ask, doesn't help you at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so like even Aileron, like I, I have never put Aileron out online because I feel like it's worth more than just giving it away. And right. Is that something else? Is that is that a project also that you are pitching as well at the moment? Uh, I wrote a feature based on the short. And mm -hmm. yes, we're pitching that as well. Um, and we'll also, I mean, we're talking to a couple of places about potentially hosting the short. Um, but, you know, it's like a lot of money goes into these things. I mean, Outlier, we had, we did a Kickstarter campaign. We raised $50,000. And of course, you know, our, our audience has seen everything that we've done thus right. far. Right. Um, but I feel like I almost feel obligated to the audience to not put it out there until, you know, till it's up yeah, to snuff. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes networks get a little upset if, if they see that you put something out there that they were interested in buying. Like, well, now right. it's, it's that version and now people aren't going to like the version that we make. True. And the funny thing I, I've been running into when showing that trailer is people assume after they see it that everyone who is in it is attached. 
Right. Like, well, you know, they're like, we're not going to be able to recast these people because they probably have contracts. It's like, no, the whole point of this was to sell a show. It's right. You know, the actors get some really good real footage out of it. They're excited about it. They want to see it go as much as anybody. Right. So um, that's been an interesting find um, for me. I've never had that happen before. So, so outlier has superhero special effect types of types of things. And so I imagine that, you know, with your background and that um, the VFX stuff that, you know, it came in handy because you weren't farming it out to anybody else. You know, let's make something that makes use of all of our talents. Like, for instance, Mark Paletti, who is often my first AD, is also a fight coordinator and a stunt coordinator. Oh, that's coordinator. good. Yeah, And I thought, well, handy. let's figure out what we can do with him and, and let him shine. And, you know, um, use everything that you have at your disposal. I just got to tell you, man, when I saw that, you, you know, when you showed me the trailer or the clips, I was just blown away. Blown away. It looks amazing. Everybody listening to me right now, AJ is a fantastic director, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future, man. I mean, I think that you're just going to be one of these guys that's just going to just, I think, just bowl people over. It's just a matter of time. Well, we will do it I, together, my friend. Well, damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, what's what's next for you? What are you doing up? Well, here's the thing. I had like three things lined up and then coronavirus. Hmm. I was supposed to shoot this really, really great um, short film uh, anthology series called uh, Civil Disobedience. And it's still going to happen. It's just been postponed. I guess the thing I've got going right now is the podcast, you know, for the moment, uh, which has been a which has been, a, you know, a lot of fun um, and kind of an eye opener. I didn't realize how difficult these things were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's like anything. You jump in and you find out what all the problems are. <laughs> well, exactly. You just kind of like kind of roll with it. And I found that the more just kind of off the cuff and conversational it is, the easier it is instead of it being so thought out and planned, you know, because that's the thing, you know, when you're making a movie or you're writing music or something, everything's so like, you know, it's got to be this way. And da, 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 da. But these things are kind of like freewheeling, which is kind of fun. What about yeah. you, man? What do you got going on? Um, I have several potential things, you know, again, with the COVID-19 thing, I don't know what the timelines are anymore. Yeah. Uh, nothing that I can talk about, talk about. Yeah. but, um, but certainly very exciting things. Um, I am working on space command right now. I'm now the visual effects supervisor for episode two of space command. I, awesome. I was second unit director for the first episode and, um, just trying to get that together and, and try to get that out to Mark's audience, Mark Zickery. Um, other than that, it's a lot of stuff I can't talk about. And like you, doing the podcast. And I, I really like doing it because I learn so much. And I, I feel like um, a lot of people reach out to me and tell me how much they learned. And that's I, I really like that. I think your podcast is great. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, man, I, you ask the right questions is what I like about what you do. Um, you know, and the guys that you've had on are like, so like, you know, legit and super interesting and they got great stories and, and for like a filmmaker, I think it's gold, um, being able to kind of, you know, have somebody get into their heads and, and be able to ask the right questions instead of the same old kind of, you know, so, you know, where'd you, 
what'd your dad do? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, you know, that, all that's cool and everything, but like, I like, I like going deep diving and, and you have, you do a really good job of that. So I, I, your podcast, I think is a, is a really good, um, like supplement for, for filmmakers. I think it sh- should be something that, you know, that more filmmakers should listen to for sure. John, as always, pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Pleasure's all mine. Excited to get uh, get that beer with you in person. And uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me at uh, on Instagram at John J Tag. It's spelled J O H N J T A G U E. You can find me there on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, also LinkedIn. Everybody, LinkedIn is the new jam. I think. Really. Um, Oh, I think so. A hundred percent. I think LinkedIn's like Facebook from like, you know, uh, from uh, 2011. It's the MySpace of 2009. It's booming, man. (laughs) It's booming. That's another episode of The Call Sheet in the Books. I'm your host, AJ Wedding. You can follow me on Instagram at ThatDirectorAJ or join our Facebook page, The Call Sheet, for updates on the show. See you next time.